You are listening to the Manos Accelerator podcast in partnership with Google Launchpad. We interview rockstar entrepreneurs who share their exact formulas for success in customer acquisition, growth hacking, fundraising, or scaling a company. And I'm your host, Juan Felipe Campos. Manos Nation, there is no better way for you to support the production of this podcast than by giving us a review and a five-star rating on iTunes. Let's help each other out. I will send you a list of 100 grants to fund your startup if you review the podcast on iTunes and then tag us on a social media post. Okay, it's very easy. So step one, support us by rating this podcast five stars on iTunes. Step two, tag Manos Accelerator on a social media post. And step three, I will send you a list of 100 grants for your startup. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Manos Accelerator podcast. We have a very special guest today. We are joined by VC, Mr. John Manis. Thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, of course. Happy to be here. John, so can you tell us at a high level in 30, 60 seconds, what is it that you do and maybe a little bit of a brief history about how you got here? Yeah, of course. So I'm an investor at a firm called Basis Set Ventures. Um, we're an automation and AI-focused venture fund um, that's been investing in companies for about a year and a half. Uh, our portfolio includes about 15 companies um, stretching across the spectrum from highly technical businesses building robotic solutions in agriculture and manufacturing, all the way to traditional SaaS workflow tools um, in sales or HR. So we really try to cover um, full stack of uh, solutions across both software and hardware, and also um, um, very simple, easy workflow tools, all the way up to R and D intensive AI. Very, very cool. And you certainly know something about fundraising and the investment world that most startup founders maybe don't know yet. So, what's something about venture capital investments that you've learned over the years that you could share with our audience at a high level? Something that you feel like you understand really well, maybe early stage uh, founders, first time founders don't get yet about venture capital. Uh, so I, I think a lot of founders are worried about being too visible, particularly in the early stage. There's a lot of companies that opt to go after uh, stealth designations, and I think that's perfectly reasonable if you're still pulling things together and you're relatively well-networked. Um, but there are actually a lot of benefits to not taking a stealth approach early on, particularly because it's becoming more and more common for venture funds to use uh, some element of data science, actually, in automating some of their sourcing pipeline. And if you're trying to make yourself more easily discoverable for firms that do do outbound sourcing, it can be helpful to try to create some, some general online presence and indication that you are a relatively early stage company that would be interested in um, you know, soliciting financing. Of course, you know, there are subtle ways to do that and there's appropriate ways to do that. Um, but uh, I think overall it's, it's super underrated. And uh, you know, one thing that is also important in all of this is that VCs typically do have a, a thesis or something that they're going after. And uh, oftentimes, whether it's a, an associate or a principal or a partner going and seeking a company that fits that thesis, you want to make their job easier, make it easier for them to find you um, and ultimately find that match with what they're looking for. That makes a lot of sense. And John, whenever a startup founder, they, they send you an email, you know, they send you a pitch deck and you're looking at a startup, uh, obviously you're passing on a lot of these deals, right? Because you guys are focused on high tech and it has to have some element of um, defendable IP and they have to have like some sort of traction. You got, you're looking at a lot of different things here, but what are the three biggest, most common reasons why you do pass on an investment? Well, so I would actually push back on part of that. I think as a firm, well, as an outsider, I think a lot of people think that um, AI-focused venture funds, especially us, are, are super focused on technology and defensibility and technology. I would actually say that there's a pretty strong trend away from that, and a lot of firms you know, like ourselves that are interested in AI and automation and the value prop there 
are realizing that you know business model matters first, go to market matters first. You need that to get data, and you need data in order to train models. So, you know, the first thing out of the gate isn't necessarily the technology; it's more you know smart data acquisition strategies, efficient, lean, go to market, high margin, you know, etc. So, I would say all of those are things that we look for early on in companies. Do you have a savvy go to market strategy? Do you have an efficient means of acquiring data? Do you fit a thesis? To that point, we are a very thesis driven fund. We spend a lot of time building up white papers in the industries with which we invest. I mentioned that we focus on AI, automation, machine learning, but it's specifically, you know, oftentimes vertically within industries. So, you know, I have a subset of problems, companies that I'm searching for to solve issues in manufacturing, for example, or agriculture, supply chain logistics. Um, I'm looking for companies that solve those problems. I'm, I'm open to being convinced about things that I might not realize are problems, but you have to realize as a founder that you're fighting an uphill battle to convince that investor to care or to or to believe you, particularly if it's against that thesis. And um, you know, I think first is is finding a match with that thesis. Second is you know proving that you're savvy enough to execute in uh, in, in in you know bringing a company to market that fits that thesis. And you know, all, team is also always going to be up there. You know, if you just have the first two, it's never going to be good enough for us. Um, you know, we we need a super strong team as well. Okay, so that speaks to what you look for in a good startup. What are what are actually the most common reasons why you do pass on an investment? Is it typically that they are missing? I mean, it sounds like they're missing one of those three elements that you're pointing out. Yeah, I, I think people overcomplicate this. Um, at the end of the day, are you solving a problem? Clear value proposition must have 10x improvement. I think there are a lot of companies that might think that they're doing that, but if you look yourself in the mirror, um, you know, it, it just doesn't necessarily fit that criteria. And venture is a, a business of home runs, right? You're looking for, uh, you know, one or two companies to really return a fund. And if that's the kind of mentality that you have, you have to be taking relatively high risk, high reward bets. And those bets have to be in companies that might have a high degree of execution risk, um, but are ultimately, you know, they, they sell themselves. The customer's pulled into the product. You don't have to pull the customer into the product yourself and uh, as a company. Um, and again, a strong team to be able to execute and deliver on a really tactically complex, uh, you know, go to market. Oftentimes, these things are not, uh, you know, are not easy. Before we continue with the episode, you should know about this. We recently partnered with Brex, the smart credit card for founders to finance and boost their startups. Everything about Brex is made for startup and e-commerce founders just like you. The card scales with you and gives you up to 20 times higher credit limits than any competing card. And for listeners of this podcast, benefit from our partnership and get $5,000 in AWS credits plus absolutely no card fees for life by activating your account through our partnership link. It's brex.com slash manos. Brex, B-R-E-X dot com slash manos, M-A-N-O-S, to get all of your fees waived for life and $5,000 in AWS credits. Now on to the episode. What is a typical process, John, for for you specifically, or, or just if you want to speak to the industry in general, for a VC to actually find out about the startups that do have these elements? How are you scouting for, for startups? How, how does that work? Well, we're fortunate because we do have a, a data science team internally, so we source probably about a third of our deal flow through that. Um, we also do traditional networking, as all VCs do, um, and then we do outbound as it relates to the specific research that we've done internally. So I mentioned each of those industries. Um, we're constantly looking for opportunities, speaking with corporates uh, in each of those spaces, and trying to proactively identify you know, where, where money should be going um, and where problems need to be solved. And if we can't find a company that's solving it in the market, you know, we're not opposed to spinning up a company solving that problem ourselves. But ideally, we find somebody already skilled and, and willing to spin up a business in the space um, or, or who has already done so. 
Okay, fascinating. Wow, that's awesome. Okay, John, I've got to ask you, what's a question that you wish founders would ask you as an investor more often? Yeah, I would say keep us accountable. You know, push along the process at your own pace. Uh, you know, every firm is different. We typically will will you know meet whatever expectations a founder has for us. If a deal needs sure. to get done in thirty six hours, we'll make sure that it you know that it gets done. We'll you know stay awake doing you know reference calls and looking through diligence materials. But um, you know, founders do have to run a tight process, and there's a lot of stuff that's coming across our desk. And admittedly, VCs aren't always the most amazing people to work with for a lot of reasons. But um, I think you know founders are in control whether they want to. Admit it or not, and um, you know, I, I always love when uh, when founders have the hustle and the gumption to to, to sort of kick along VCs and, and run a tight process. That's great, John. Some someone's listening to this podcast right now, and they just wish that they knew as much about VC and investment as you do. What are some of your favorite resources for founders, uh, like maybe podcasts or courses that they can take online that they can learn more about this? Well, so I had a, a particularly yes. I had a particularly fortunate experience prior to my time in VC. I was actually a journalist at TechCrunch covering AI and machine learning there, and so um, the number one value prop for me was getting to meet people and have as many conversations as fast as possible in this amazing place that is Silicon Valley. So I would say that's always going to be the number one uh, the number one way to learn. I've never really been a big fan. Nothing against podcasts or this, right? Like I've never been a, a super big fan of of reading others' writing. I, I try to formulate my own thoughts and try to be fairly original in the space and I recognize that that's not always you know helpful for folks that are trying to learn just sort of a, a like a baseline right um, but I think that it is easier than ever to network and, and meet with VCS and I'm certainly more than happy to meet with entrepreneurs even if they're not ready for financing if you're working in a space that's relevant to me most of what I'm interested in is extremely publicly available online I write you know frequent blog posts for the firm I publish in other publications like TechCrunch um, you know, constantly trying to sort of speak out about the kinds of things I'm excited about investing in, and I always welcome folks in those spaces to come talk to me. And there's a lot of spaces that don't fit in in, in what I'm interested in, but there are going to be other investors out there. It seems like just about every day there's another fund that's being spun up. So I would think that as an entrepreneur, um, you know, part of the hustle is is getting to meet folks, getting to learn about what people's expectations are out of the gate. And I think the hardest part of that oftentimes is uh, learning which advice to take seriously and which advice to push off. Everybody's going to have their two cents about what will make your business investable. Um, you know, you as a founder have to navigate what items of that you you sort of internalize and incorporate as part of your business, and and what you don't. But um, you know, certainly for me, it matters a lot that you know companies can hustle. You know figure out ways to meet me, uh, take my feedback seriously, at least some of it, push back on the parts of it that they disagree with, implement the parts of it that they agree with, and then come back to me you know, a couple of weeks or months later with clear results. There's no better sign or reference for founder than that. Right. John, so keeping the, the audience in mind here, a lot of the founders that are listening to this episode are international, and they're rockstar founders, they're crushing it in their home countries with their ecosystems, but maybe the, their local ecosystem is not as developed, and so they need money to grow, and they look towards the U.S. to come here and raise investment, but they, what I see a lot is a lot of founders come here for like a month, and they try to raise funds, and they just hear these, the stories of, I'm going to hustle, knock on a lot of doors, and then raise funds you know, over a weekend or over a month. If you were in their position, you're an international founder, you're trying to raise funds from Silicon Valley, how would you go about getting started doing that? 
Oh man, I couldn't even begin to put myself in the shoes of. It's <laughs> it's it's amazing to me how people do it, and I've I've seen a number of founders that have succeeded in coming to the United States with very very little and figuring out a way to make it happen for themselves. I would say it's a slog. Expect it to be ten times harder than you think it is from the outside. Even if you think it's hard, it'll be harder. Um, there are these amazing success stories where you see people pull together rounds and become unicorns in you know three or four years, but you know for the vast majority of people, um, you know you win by by increasing your, your likelihood of success, which comes really from time. Money is not the scarcest factor. It's always going to be time. Um, and so, you know, while I certainly don't understand uh, from a first-person perspective what that would be like, I would say optimize for time over money. Give yourself as much runway as you possibly can um, because you have to prove yourself. You have to establish some kind of footprint here um, for people to be able to do reference checks and for people to be able to believe in you. And um, that's not going to be judged based on, you know, how much money you raised um, or really anything other than giving yourself the time to prove out the thesis that you have. And um, if you do that long enough and you beat to your own drum, people will follow along. Um, and hopefully you can get a couple of early movers to be proactive. But you know, from what I've seen, um, you just can't count on it. And um, you need to build in those additional redundancies to guarantee your own success because nobody else will guarantee that success for you. Okay, Manos Nation, do not forget my offer to help each other out. I'll send you a list of 100 grants to fund your startup. All you have to do is leave a five-star rating on iTunes and then tag Manos Accelerator on a social media post. Again, leave a five-star review on iTunes and then tag Manos Accelerator on social media to receive a list of 100 grants to help you fund your startup. See you on the next one. John, as you continue to grow and take your career forward, where is the best place for people to stay in touch with you and learn more about what you're doing? Oh, uh, everywhere. Uh, Twitter's awesome. LinkedIn's awesome. Uh, people can email me. My email's everywhere, basically. Um, and um, events as well. We, we as a firm host a lot of events in the city um, for folks that are interested in uh, founding companies. We host a, um, a technical um, female CTO's dinner um, about every other month. Um, we do kids events at our office. Um, so there's a lot of uh, a lot of ways to get involved with the firm. Um, you know, certainly just feel free to reach out. Um, you know, always happy to chat with folks. Perfect. Okay, there you have it, Manos Nation. Mr. John, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing all of this with us. Yeah, thank you so much. It's a pleasure.